In your best Will Smith impression, can you give oh, us a... Oh, no. Uh, first off, I don't see anything problematic with it. Second of all, <laughs> in your best Will Smith impression, can you give us a good, hearty welcome to Earth? Welcome to Earth. Good. Outstanding. That's good, Tina. Welcome. You are listening to ID Four Minutes at a Time, the only podcast dedicated to analyzing, scrutinizing, and celebrating the 1996 Roland Emmerich masterpiece, Independence Day, four minutes at a time. I have but one of your three hosts, Kenny Madison, and along with me are... Lulu Nagel. Oh, gosh. Back off the mic. Lulu Nagel. That's worse. You got closer to the mic. That's Lulu Nagel. That's bad. Hey, there we go. And Tyler Bryce. Sorry, Tyler Bryce. No, that's not <laughs> Tyler Bryce. <sighs> it's a good thing I've learned how to adjust volumes while editing this podcast. And here with us today is comedian, improviser, business owner, and should I say, if I could, you should potentially this would be a qualifier of what you are. Dare I say, a rack on tour? There it is. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, say whatever you want. I mean, I love a good legend. I will. And this is indeed the legend, Tina Jackson. Welcome to 84 Minutes in Time. A pleasure to be here celebrating this, our Independence Day. Indeed. Uh, After a little bit of time off due to the catastrophic winter storm that just happened in uh, in Texas, we're back and we're strapped in to talk about minutes 76 through 80 of Independence Day. These minutes start with Dr. Oaken uh, rolling in a dead alien into Area 51 and ends with a knife going into some sort of body. Sounds spooky. Well, guess what? It is. So, Tina, of course, Kenny and I have seen this movie many, many times. Lulu, of course, does not remember the movie at all. Tyler and I, we're old hats. I'll put myself back in the old hat category because Independence Day is one of my longtime favorites. And when you asked me to do this podcast, it very easily gave me the excuse to watch it again. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. Do you remember the first time that you saw the film? I don't think I saw it in the theaters because I think um, if I remember correctly, what, what year did you say it came out in, Ken? 1996. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if I saw it in the theater because at that time during those years, uh, my brother and I were, would have definitely seen the trailer for it and said, oh my God, we want to see this. This is a great disaster movie. Let's blow some up. Let's see it. And I bet my parents were, uh, well, we'll see it first and we'll see if it's okay for children. Um, and it is okay for children. I think, uh, tiny children, even, uh, there's nothing scary about this movie at all. It's absolutely a riot. Uh, I don't, I'm not entirely sure that that's what? no, uh, I don't... no, I love this movie. Uh, and I have loved it since I was a kid. I don't specifically remember the first time I watched it, but I was, uh, right around the time that this movie came out big into di- disaster films, any big disaster movie that came out, I wanted to be front row because I like big explosions. I like property damage. And you, you like looking up, looking up at an odd angle. Trauma bonding during a, a difficult situation where there's ill-advised romance happening. You, the classics, Towering Inferno, Volcano. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Dante's Peak. Even Speed. Speed's a great one where you're like, 
why are these two people kissing at the end? Trauma bonding. Trauma bonding. Airport 72. Can I... Uh, can I tell you that I was locked in a closet as a kid by a mean, someone's mean older brother. He locked both of us in the closet for a long time. And The Towering Inferno, that movie came out and I couldn't watch it because I was, I developed a phobia of being in tight spaces. I still have trouble with elevators, even though I'm a professional woman who has to go in large, tall buildings. I will walk stairs if it's like less than 17 floors. But The Towering Inferno movie and them getting stuck in that stupid elevator killed me. I could not watch it. <laughs> yeah, that's what makes it worse. Is uh, if you've got somebody to trauma bond with, that's just, that's just lost. That's just the island of lost at this point. <laughs> yeah. Or Gilligan's Island. Yeah, exactly. You build beautiful friendships and relationships uh, during times of intense trauma. Love it. Uh, my therapist says this is very, very healthy. Tyler, what do you have to say about Gilligan's Island? Um... You know, I'm starting to think that they never really come off the island. Like, the more episodes I watch, the more I think, maybe maybe there isn't a solution. <laughs> Every plan will be foiled. It seems like that's the case. It does. It- I don't remember the series finale. Did they? They did get off the island in the series finale, didn't they? So there were, there were actually... Uh, there was a movie that they did later called Return to Gilligan's Island where they got off and then everyone goes back. And then there was a short lived thing where they would do episodes where uh, it was kind of like uh, just a resort vacation that people went to. Um, <laughs> it was uh, I think it was called Return to Gilligan's Island. And it was uh, and it's not really worth having shoved in my head where it is. But like the lyrics to nearly every song from the 1980s, it's just in here. If I could replace it with something usable, I would love that. I'd love to get a Series 7 uh, to be able to transact on uh, on people's uh, stock portfolios. But no, my head is filled with every lyric to Tainted Love, the extended remix, including the baby baby, Where Did Our Love Go? Oh, such a great song. Yay for Soft Cell. Uh, how can I pull this off? Speaking of soft sell, it's time for some hard s- s- sounds. No. <laughs> that, no, that absolutely did not work. We're not. Try again. Maybe if try you got again, closer to the microphone. Mulligan. 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 Uh, uh, speaking of having useless information shoved into your head and not letting anyone live it down... Here are some predictions that Lulu made uh, of what is going to happen in these upcoming four minutes. Uh, Lulu, give us a good ding if you remember making any of these predictions. Hmm. Been a while. (laughs) I'm just going to read it the way that I wrote it down. Hauling in an unconscious alien who's been unconscious for three hours. They're going to peel him off and examine the tech suit. They get it over to Goldblum, who will take it into a different room and analysis it. Analysis? I'm certain that's a typo on my part. Analysis of this. That's right. No, it's a it's a verb now to analysis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> analysis to analysis. Uh, Goldblum's going to make the spaceship fly and tinker with the gizmos that have suddenly lit up inside the spaceship. Ding. <laughs> All the RV friends are hungry. They're going to gather on floor 12 of the commissary and hang out and talk and be at the ready for the government to fight. I don't remember that part. The RV friends. I think that's my favorite part of the prediction. I've got to back away from the microphone for this one. Where 
is Vivica a fox? <laughs> Ding. Because we haven't seen her and the president's wife. She's been gone for a while. We haven't seen her in a while. She's one of my favorite characters. Uh, where's the daughter? Is she on the child care floor of Area 51? And then Lulu specified floor three. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum will figure out where the ignition switch is for the spaceship. It'll be under a cover. There'll be a key and it'll turn it on and they'll fly it in the long vagina hallways. I know because they're down on the 25th floor or something. How are they, why do you keep the spaceship so far underground? Yeah, you keep it in a womb way underground and then fly it through the vagina like passage to get out. So the building must have her legs in stirrups. That's all I can imagine. That's right. Honestly, I think the hangar is a myth. Uh, I've never been able to find a hangar in the first place. Mm. Uh, Have you been digging in Area 51? Oh, believe me, I've dug at least... How does Vivica know where to go? She can't just happen upon it. She's going to go to the Westin in Philadelphia. What? Weston. The Weston. Is that a prediction? That's a prediction. Ding. Is that one of those fake ones you throw in that I didn't say? Lulu, whenever I write down notes, I try and keep it as close to what you say because (laughs) let's face it, everything you say isn't just gold. It's platinum, baby. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Tina, before we jump too far in here, um, I, I know that, uh, recently, uh, Bear Stages, which was your, which was your theater. And, and, and if you don't want to talk about this, you don't have to, uh, but, oh. uh, but recently, um, it, it closed and, uh, yep. because of the pandemic, uh, yep. and you're, you're currently in Cleveland, Cleveland. Can you tell us a little bit about what's up with you and what's going on? Oh yeah. Uh, Bear Stages is currently closed, uh, because, uh, we did not have a great landlord who offered us any sort of rental agreement. So when we w- weren't able to pay rent, he said, get out. Oh, my God. Um, and so we got out um, and we moved everything into storage. So it's super sad. Uh, we lost our building, our space, had uh, two theaters, two classrooms, um, great office space, enormous, uh, you know, potential uh, for growth. And we were going to pay it off within five years. But we only got three years in building. So uh, uh, we're closed and we're in a storage unit and it sucks. So, yeah, I mean, it sucks, but um, I'm in Cleveland right now because obviously my job is shut down and uh, theater is uh, put on hold or put online so you can be anywhere. And I am visiting my family in Cleveland, Ohio, where I'm from, because my brother, my little brother, who is a year younger than me and we are, grew up like twins and uh, he's he and his wife are having a baby next week. So I'm in quarantine currently so that I can hold the baby when she is born oh is this a so i'm 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 coming to you from my childhood bedroom getting ready for baby time not my baby mazel tov baby jacks oh baby jacks baby jacks she's she's coming next week and uh and i'm gonna hold her oh uh but i only do that if i quarantine for a few days get a covid test and uh and wait her out so i'm here doing the pre the pre-baby prep work good job so that i can be safe and hold baby without worry that she or i will be you should do some exercises like um bouncing and you know getting yourself ready got a couple of shirts with me that can get spit up on them no problem yeah girl get it so 
the I, good stuff. I'm here for the good stuff only. So that's um, awesome. Tina created a, a lovely space uh, in San Antonio and, and I uh, hoping for the best on, on it, on some iteration of something. Yeah, we'll figure out this. how, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to wait it out until we know it's safe before I start Absolutely. looking for a new location. Cause there's just no sense in it. There's no sense in investing in something new when everything's falling apart every day to just, we gotta, we gotta find a little bit of normalcy before I'm ready to uh, jump in again with both feet and yeah. own a theater when it's such a hard thing to do. It is such a hard thing. It's, it's, it's critical that everyone wear a mask uh, and we're able to get back to a sense of normalcy. So if you support that stance, I want you to, uh, in, in support of a future where we can enjoy each other without masks, I want to want you to tweet at us, hashtag no masks now, so we can get, no, no, no. get to masks that future. Now. No, yeah, yeah. masks now. I think the comma kind of confuses it. So just tweet at us. Hashtag no masks now. No, 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 no. Masks now. Because okay. we want to work towards a future where this is like, like a bit done by Abbott and Costello. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> Greg Abbott. And Costello. Uh, well, we should end the podcast now. Ladies and gentlemen, that's been our show. Thank you. <laughs> Make it uh, better or worse. Than that. No, uh, we're uh, speaking of quarantine and we're going to isolate ourselves for the next four minutes. Watch a clip and we'll be right back after this sound cue. <laughs> Great, wonderful. <laughs> Thank you, Tina. No! Uh, Lulu. What do you think, man? What's going to be in there? They're going to open up his brain and there's going to be something in there. Spiders are going to crawl out. Bunches of them. Can he write that down? Yeah, honestly. Spiders are going to crawl out. You know, like all the urban legends. Lots of them. Lots of them. You don't even know how right you are, though, but I get spoilers or whatever, but yeah. Sure. It's actually going to be Jimmy Hoffa. That's where he's been this whole time. <laughs> In an alien suit. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which it's... urban legends are about aliens having spiders inside their brains? Not aliens, but like people. Like you have this wound and you get it excised and a bunch of spiders come crawling out of it. There's or yeah, like that stuff. spiders will plant eggs in your ears or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those yeah, are or like spiders will crawl up your nose and like eat your eyes from or the like inside Or like a spider out. bite in, then you'll have like powers. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They yeah. just get like under the skin and burrow and lay yeah. eggs and shit. Yeah. Right. There's a mm-hmm. scary story to tell in the dark about that. Yep. And then okay. every little hair that tickles your face all night long, you're like, ah! Yeah. No, I got <laughs> Y'all, I have flying ants in my room right now <laughs> coming out of the AC vent. They're carpenter ants. And they land on me in my bed at night. And every once in a while. And I, I have that little hair tickle and I'm like, ah, ah, ah. you know, and everyone's well, there's a crunch and there's an ant on me and we have sprayed and they went away during the freeze, which was just a gift, but they're back. <laughs> but they're back. Mm-hmm. Did you know you had carpenter ants because they were leaving finely crafted wooden chairs everywhere? Oh no, they have incredible harmonies. <laughs> Do you know where you're going, <laughs> going to? to you? <laughs> mm-hmm.
So let's start back at the beginning. At the beginning of this, we end up finding out that uh, the general is holding the guy from the CIA uh, responsible for not having told the president about this whole installation, right? He's like, right, you knew about this. All of these, you know, in this air attack that just happened, we killed all of our best pilots because they were unprepared with the full information. That sucks. So the general, of course, looking out for his men, uh, you know, feels like they wasted a, a a great opportunity to launch a, a more strategic attack, but they were working with half information. Because James Rebhorn wanted to maintain the president's plausible deniability. Which you can understand until there's like literally an alien attack and then it's like, oh, Mr. President, maybe I could have told you this. Psst, psst. Let me tell you something real fast. I do have a secret and it's we know a lot more than you think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we knew they had shields. We just thought they wouldn't be effective against things that might need a shield. So sorry. Uh, oopsie. We did just waste trillions of dollars of aircrafts, not to mention the fine men and women of our Air Force. Uh, oh my God. Sorry, Tina, whenever you did that voice, I couldn't help but just picture kid secretary of state who's like, oopsie. <laughs> um. I thought Vivica A. Fox, she pulls up finally. She shows up, y'all. Finally, finally drives her big red truck with all of her important people in it, plus the dog, which is the most, maybe most important people in the, in the truck. I thought she was pulling up to Area 51. I was like, no, ma'am, this is too coincidental. But she was going to El Toro. El Toro. But what we see, uh, what I love in that scene is that Will Smith and Vivica A. Fox both learn that each other are dead. Yes. Like they both get the news that they have lost their loved ones. Oh. And then they both have to just soldier on. Move on. In the middle yes. of this catastrophic thing, they think Altura is destroyed and that's where my loved one is. That's where my family is. And they both get their hearts smashed in that moment. Like just mm-hmm. in those four minutes, we smash both of our, my favorite characters, both of my favorite characters. Oh, and that look and on Will Smith's face, it breaks my heart. That's, that's real acting. That's not just fresh print. Shit. That's like real. That's real acting there, Will. That was his first moment of real acting. I love it. He he. I was waiting like, please don't say anything flippant. Please don't say anything flippant. And he didn't. No, he's crushed. I love that moment because, you know, we we see the, you know, the the dramatic irony of the fact that they both think they're both dead and they're both obviously alive. But like they're in that moment, they can't know. They can't know anything. And there's no cell phones to call each other. There are not. So and, and Dances with Wolves is supposed to be dead too, but um she's there under her blanket. I think you, you mean go. the president? You mean you mean the first lady? Except that she's the president of the twelve colonies. Don't you mean the lady from TNT's major crimes? I honestly she's the first lady to me. This is the first and only thing I love this woman in. Really? What else is she in? She played the president at Battlestar Galactica. And- oh, that's right. Okay, I got you. Yeah, and of course she was in Dances with Wolves. Yeah, um, I didn't like that movie, and I know everybody does. I just didn't. So when Will Smith is having his scene and learning about El Toro being destroyed, there's a green digital wave going on behind him. Mm-hmm. What is that? It's a sign. Sorry, I didn't mean to go off on a tangent. Oh, here we go. I've I've got it pulled up 
here and scrolling through it, I believe that's just nighttime photography of the landscape. That's just night vision of the uh, landscape, potentially like, outside of Area 51. That's like the ring doorbell of 1996. 15% of the forces are still left. That's it. 85% of the military has been destroyed. Within 36 hours, we've learned that all major cities will have been destroyed. Yeah. So our timeline's clicking down. We got 15% of our military resources. We got 36 hours, and uh, we don't know what we're f***ing doing. But we did capture this one f***ing alien. Yes, we did. And they're about to do surgery on his head. And Professor Oak, Oaken okay. mm-hmm. uh, says, let's take this thingamajig and cut right here. That <laughs> like, is well, so egregious. Mm-hmm. Like, why does he say thingamajig? We're yeah. supposed to consider this guy to be the world's most alien expert, and he's going to say thingamajig? Mm-hmm. But as we've learned in this movie, that our fate is in the hands of a lot of clowny people. Idiots. Like, uh, as we described them earlier, um, improvisers in their first class who can't stop joking. Yeah, okay. All right, all right. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think they uh, were, were throwing Oaken in to sort of make him... This is the extended cut, isn't it, Kenny? This the is the watching? this is the theatrical cut that we are going through. This is the theatrical cut. I don't remember him saying that before. I remember watching that when you asked me to do this podcast, and I remember, I was like, I don't remember him ever saying thingamajig before. But that's mm-hmm. it's egregious to consider this man an expert, and he's just like, okay, well, we'll just get him in here, and we'll immediately do surgery. We're not going to do an X-ray. We're not doing a body scan. We're not using any of our cool tools. We're going to take a scalpel and put it down the middle of his forehead. They've already had aliens in pickle jars uh, for decades, so they've probably done the x-rays and whatnot. Well, but they right? at least should have, have informed him of his HIPAA rights. I don't know if HIPAA was a thing in 96. Oh, oh right, right. Yeah, okay. So what you're saying yeah. is Brent Spiner is not acting on enough data? Oh, my gosh. I think, I think he ought to, you know, we don't know if this thing is dead we know it was shot down three hours ago. That's all we know, man. And it may look like these other guys, but you don't you don't know if this guy is injured. You don't know if he's still alive. Do a scan of some kind. I know you got machinery down there. Tickle him. Just see, tickle him and see if he responds. Brent Spiner needs a little bit more information. You know, he needs a little bit more lore of what the aliens are like. They're they're doing Star Trek puns. For heaven's sakes, call it a thingamajig. I, I thought it was neat when Vivica pulled up to the gate to El Toro and there's two, you know, El Toro means the bull in Spanish. And they have the two, I don't know what those pointy things are that are left over mm. in, at the base, mm-hmm. but they look like horns, like the horns of a downed bull. Well, I will say that if you're driving to El Toro, you shouldn't take a red truck because that's going to be <laughs> bad news. <laughs> You're just asking for trouble. Suddenly the base just charges at Vivica. Mm, the whole base. <laughs> I love the moment of um, the feminist response of, I, like, what do you do for a living? I'm a dancer. Oh, ballet? No exotic? Oh, I'm sorry. Don't be. I earn a lot of money doing that. Like, it's just great, empowering talk. And it was just a fun little bit of a conversation to lighten up the mood after we've learned that the world's going to end and people we love are dead. Uh, and that's part of the reason I picked this scene that I, that I love is because these two women are, are having a conversation about, you know, the end of the world. And they're both, you know, 
one's extremely hurt and, and accepting help. And one is in maybe arguably perhaps the worst grief of her life, but she's still taking care of people because that's what she does. Mm-hmm. She's an exotic dancer with a heart of gold and judging her based on her career would be false because what we can see is she's a kind and caring mother. She's a kind and caring woman. She doesn't have to pick up all these strangers. She doesn't have to pick up the first lady, especially if she voted for the other guy. And like, and she's doing it anyway. And the moment of absolute devastation is that her heart is what's more important. And mm-hmm. in that way, I think it is, it was cool for me as a young person to see like how, at least in my family, my, you know, white, my white bread waspy family that like, uh, you know, stripper was not an okay career choice, but here's this woman who is a character that's really kind and good hearted and definitely one of the heroes of this movie, just saying, it's okay. I make money for my kid and I have to do, I, you know, I got to do something to make money for my kid and he's worth it. Mm, and I just, you know, just flippantly saying, don't be sorry. You know, it's I'm not. my life is my life is fine. I was hoping this guy was going to want the job, but I can take care of my kid on my own because I I had to do it before and I'm doing it again. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons I love Vivica A. Fox in this movie. She's one of my my favorite, favorite characters. For sure. Vivica A. Fox is a weird celebrity mm-hmm. because like th- this is basically her big movie. It's this and then Kill Bill. Mm hmm kind of the movie too can play that game but really just in terms of her cinematic output it's just not that i don't know it's just not that profound it's which not is crazy because profile, but she's done a lot of guest spots and a lot of i mean she's in she she works all the time but she's not yeah. necessarily like the star of some of those projects yeah because mm-hmm. i think she's legitimately great in this movie Agreed. Um, and her hair is incredible. Yes. I was thinking that too when she walked up to the fence. I'm like, nice hair. I was like, her hair was blowing so good in that breeze. I mm-hmm. love that feathered, that feathered <laughs> '90s look. Ugh, she looks like. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, have you seen her IMDb profile picture? Can you can you describe what the IMDb picture is for this audio medium? Oh, you're totally right. <laughs> um, so it's definitely a glamour shot, but she's wearing like this orchid purple tank top satiny. And she's against an orchid purple backdrop. Her hair is to high heaven. Oh my gosh, just so big and feathered. And she is staring with this queenly, like this very regal and uh, amazing glamour shot look in her eye. And it's just amazing. Honestly, IMDb Vivica A. Fox right now, all of you. You will not be disappointed by this orchid glamour dream. I really feel like that's the um, leotard she's wearing. It's got, it's got, in my fantasy, it, it is. It a little looser in the top oh. than I would say a leotard is. Oh, man. Because of the satiny quality of it, but right. I, I could be wrong. I don't know. I guess it's because I own one like that, that it was for an 80s show. <laughs> so we're a good 10 years out. We cut the bottom off of, off of it, and now it's 90s. Never mind. She's done a lot more than I thought. I'm just glancing now. She's done some Christmas movies and some, she did five seasons of Empire. I mm. didn't know that. Did not oh, know that. Man. All right, she's great. She's terrific. So this is um, Newsflash, my Vivica A fan club is um, starting up soon on Facebook. <laughs> uh, speaking of fan clubs, one of the fan clubs that we like to stand here on this podcast is of a certain Mr. Jeff Goldblum. Notably absent from these four mm-hmm. minutes. Noticeably absent, but we still have to put Lulu 
through the Jeffcon scale. Isn't that right, Tyler? Uh, absolutely, Tina. We're also going to ask you to weigh in just on Jeff Goldblum during this picture. The Jeffcon scale, of course, like the Defcon scale, uh, five is is everything is okay. One is peak Jeff Goldblum. Lulu, where are we with our Jeffcon scale in this clip without Jeff Goldblum present? Well, I imagine he's having a little nap on a couch, like in a break room on floor eight. Uh-huh. And um, he's, he's napping. His, his glasses are still on, and his shirt has fallen open a little bit to the side, and his body's just, like, warm and snuggly like you are when you nap. And if I, you know, had encountered him in that break room because I needed a nap, uh, I would go Jeffcon 1 all the way. Okay. <laughs> That's where he is in my head. So right now, in this scene, which Goldblum is not present for, just to clarify, we are at a Jeffcon 1 just because it leaves so much to the imagination? Yeah. All right. It's a perfect yeah. usage of Jeff Goldblum. Then. Um, Tina, how about you? Uh, where is Jeff Goldblum on the, on the Jeffcon scale for you in the movie in general, if not in the In the, the movie in general, I would say he's operating at a 2 or a 1 at all times. I mean, he's just, he's, his character is at a constant jitter of anxiety and and problem solving and panic and um but i would say right now you know at this per- current moment you know without seeing jeff goldblum in these four minutes i'd say he's probably at a three this is like probably the the most relief he's felt is right now there is not a current attack happening we are not currently running he is currently inside a building that is arguably underground and pretty secrety. So he might be the most relaxed he will be in this entire movie right in this moment. That's why we don't have to see him. Right. Cause he's napping on floor five. He's taking that nap on floor eight. And I imagine him in that, that sweaty, very dirty plaid shirt with his arms crossed and his, you're right. Glasses are still on feet are up like, you know, legs crossed on the couch. Uh, but he's, he's snoozing. I would say snoozing. Mm-hmm. He would not call that rest. Uh, okay. Done. Awesome. I think we should do a foxometer today too, because Vivica and her hair on on a rating of uh, Vivica A Fox to Vivica F Fox. <laughs> a A plus. She's an A plus to me in this. <laughs> I think that tank top and that, that feathery hair, the wind blown. I mean, El Toro. The the breeze at El Toro is always blowing the right and, way, and never that, blowing forward like this, where the hair gets in your face. Oh yeah, when it gets matted in your face, Lulu, yeah. you know what I mean. But like, and then there's that scene where they're in front of the fire, you know, her and the first lady and, and Dylan, she calls Dylan over and then she's warmed by the glow of the fire. It's Mm -hmm. like the foxiest between the wind and the fire warmth, a plus plus. And let's not forget that she's confident about who she is and the choices she's made. Right. So I, and what is more sexy than confidence? Yeah. I'm I'm Vivica a plus Fox. I want to say, like, I think they missed an opportunity when she pulled up to the gate at El Toro. Like, I wanted to see her pull up, hear the air brace, and her get out of that big red heavy-duty truck. Hold on, and, do like, the sound effects jump, of her walking, too. Jump, she jumps down onto the ground and, like, is clink, 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 ding, and she grabs the chain-link fence and looks longingly through with her hair blowing and a little glint in her eye. Uh, the air brakes moment and like jumping down with two feet under the ground out of that high truck. We didn't see her climb out of the truck. I think we missed an opportunity. Opportunity. And you know who would have done that Foley work? Uh-huh. Our guest, Chris Bono. He would have had some high heels on that fit his man feet walking through a little gravel pit there on the soundstage. Mm-hmm. 
Chris Bono, in fact, has very dainty feet. Oh, well, then you probably wouldn't have had to look too hard for a pair of heels. That's right. So I'm glad that, that we're all in agreement that Vivica, A Fox, A plus, uh, or more. Danny, do you agree? Yeah, Vivica, Vivica A plus Fox, all the way. A plus Fox. For some reason, I always imagined her as a much bigger celebrity than mm. what she ostensibly is. And I think it's because of her performance. In this, for some reason, has just left such an impression in my mind. Why doesn't she? Why doesn't she have Angela Bassett's career? Uh, yeah, I was wondering. She should. That's the job. Uh, <laughs> that's a reference to Mission Impossible Five. Great movie. Uh-huh. She says that's the job. Angela Bassett says. No, I know that. Tyler, <laughs> she says that's Stop the job. It. Just quit, quit explaining it. It just loses something when you explain it a whole lot. I have to explain it. That's the job. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, at least it came back around. Well, how did I do in my predictions? We still haven't seen the RV friends. Well, we saw the R. Yeah, we, we saw the RV friends in the last four minutes. What do we see? They hauled in the unconscious alien who had been unconscious for three hours, and they're just mm-hmm. about to peel off that suit. Well, and, and one thing I want to say, because we haven't mentioned this character yet, is the Bill Pullman presidency. The Bill Pullman presidency is also my favorite Robert Ludlow novel, the Bill Pullman presidency. It's, it's the name of my new improv team. Um, the Bill Pullman presidency is one that we can look to as not produ- predominantly like a great presidency. Um, you know, he's, he's got low approval ratings at the beginning of the movie. We have this president who is, arguably ill-equipped for this moment except that he's a great pilot and that's the only thing we've said positively about him so far um besides the fact that we we think he's a good dad largely america would consider this to be a pretty ill-equipped president because the second he rolls into area 51 he's like show me the aliens (laughs) where's the vending machine he's like uh he shows up and he hears a bunch of bad news and he's like I want to see the aliens. And it's like, okay, well, we are down to 15% of our forces. We, uh, we, we just up a bunch of our pilots, uh, things. It's like, show me the body. Like this guy is like me though. Like I would, I would roll into area 51. I'd be like, take me to the main event. But like, I'm not the president. Like I would just be like touristy, but my president, (laughs) Bill Pullman, rolls in just like I would. And that makes me feel comfortable with him as a leader. So do we think that he's a Republican or a Democrat in this world? If Vivica's voting for the other guy, I say he's a Republican. Wait, she voted for the other guy? Do we know that? Yeah, she she said. She told the first lady she voted for the other guy. I mean, he's a he's a fighter pilot, which would make me think that he would be leaning Republican. Right. He's got Air Force experience. He was a hero pilot. He's he's George W. Bush. But also one of the criticisms from the McLaughlin group at the beginning of the movie is that he's they wanted a warrior and they got a wimp. Oh, you're right. Mm-hmm. I still think of Vivica voted for him. She voted for the other guy. It could be like Jimmy Smith's in the West Wing where he was a fighter pilot and he suits up for national guard duty every once in a while. But you know, Kenny, have you caught up on the West wing? Have you watched them now? 
No, Tyler, I've watched enough West Wing with you. And then also Heidi went through West Wing as well that I've been able to pick up on enough to make sure that I, I can make references. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that's a that's a pivotal part of the Jimmy Sitz thing is that he's a member of the National Guard, as was George W. Bush. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of comparisons that you could be able to draw between the Bill Pullman presidency and the George W. Bush presidency. It wasn't necessarily super beloved. A big crisis happened, like an absolutely shattering, country shattering, world shattering event happened. His popularity would inevitably rise because he's handling a tragedy. However, it's being handled with the national nation unifying and stuff like that. And the CIA has been lying to him. He's out of it. He's out of his depth, I think, is what we are have learned is like this is a president who is out of his depth we like him he's a he seems kind he seems nice but he's not making the people happy he's not fulfilling his campaign promises and he's not um and and his wife looks like laura bush so i do say probably the bill pullman presidency was republican so he's he's a president you'd like to have a beer with but you wouldn't necessarily want him to be in charge of you know, hey, those aliens just attacked. Let's go invade Iraq. You're like, you're like, I wish I'd hired a more competent person, but this is the guy we've got now. So I guess we he's better than no one. Uh, he's an Air Force pilot. That's something. Those guys are in the air. I hope he does OK. Mm-hmm. OK. His presidency, though, occurred after this movie. Yes. Um, so this was a blueprint for his presidency. That's what I think. I think this is, uh, you know, like the Simpsons calling some shit. It's like, I think Independence Day really knew that George W. was coming. I think any president would be out of their depth when the aliens come. I guess that's probably true. But as a kid, Bill Pullman was the best president that I had ever seen. And I um, loved him because Aww. he was the handsomest president I had ever seen. Aww. And I had such a childhood crush on Bill Pullman in every movie he was in. League of Their Own, Casper, Independence Day. Alien 2. Oh, yeah. No, that's... Tyler, that's that's Bill Paxton. We're talking about Bill Pullman. Paxton. Terminator. That's again. That's Bill Paxton. Again, Bill again. Paxton. Twister. Also Bill Paxton. Twister. Big Love. That Big Love. Hulu, that's Bill Paxton as oh, well. Right, right. That's uh, uh, also, but the, not a childhood movie. But he was in uh, the first like ten minutes of what was that scary f-ing Japanese movie? Casper. The Grudge. It was The Grudge. The Grudge. See, that's one I would never see on purpose. It was very scary, and I loved it. I had kids, and then I could never go to scary movies anymore. Well, you might not be able to go to scary movies, but what you can do, Lulu, is predict what's going to happen in the next four minutes of Independence Day, minutes 80 through 84. All right. Well, we know Professor Oaken is about to cut with his thingamajiggy into the brain of the alien. I think the alien's going to flinch and show signs of life and say, hey, don't cut me open. But there will be a small incision that millions of tiny spiders will pour out of. We know that. We, we already started. About that, yeah, obviously. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I don't know, like, when they do that, can that alien send thought signals to the mothership and say, here's where I am, and they, they know, and can come attack them in their underground Area 51 place? I wonder. So then, um, the, Vivica, they, they, they're going to camp out at El Toro for a little while. They're going to stay there, but how are they going to find out 
how are they going to connect with the people at Area 51? That's a big question. Are they going to find an old ham radio on the ground and make it work again? Or, like, does someone have some sort of communication device where they can call Will Smith? <laughs> the RV friends are still hungry, so they're still looking for the commissary. They're, they're all stuck on the elevator together, a, a la Towering Inferno. <laughs> um, but they'll get off eventually. So we've got to make a move here because the aliens, the aliens probably need to make a move. We need to see something else get destroyed. That phase two of their plan will be um, put into action and we'll see some other great monuments get destroyed in their phase two of major city destruction that's happening over the next 36 hours. Oh, Jeff Goldblum wakes up from his nap looking luscious and chocolatey and he's going to, um, <laughs> he's going to have a, some sort of data breakthrough where he figures out the frequency through which the aliens communicate telepathically and intercepts some sort of message he has yet to decode. On point. Very solid. Very solid theory. Although, to be fair, if anyone's going to have a data breakthrough, it's going to be Dr. Oaken. Oh, God. He's going to break through data. Yeah. He's a fully functional Dr. <laughs> Oaken. Uh, very good, Tyler. Very good. I just want to mention that Dr. Oaken should have had his hair tied back or at least like a hairnet on when he's performing surgery. This drives me crazy. Right. This drives me crazy. The unprofessionalism of Oaken. I know. Get it together. Because Oaken needs something to shield his patients, so he needs an Oaken shield is what you guys are saying, right? Yes. I can't can't give you that laugh. You want it so bad, I can't. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just looking and hoping for fellowship. Uh, she's withholding her emotion. Oh, I love it. I don't even get that one. Will Smith, great acting. Fellowship. Fellowship. Working on it. I don't get it. What does that have to do with Oaken and Shields? Oh, Hobbit. It's a Hobbit. There we go. <laughs> I've killed the podcast. We're all silent. <laughs> We're gonna we just... experience a moment of silence. Okay. I was like, I just want to watch the next four minutes. I'm in. Let's go. Yeah, Tina, Tina's flying high right now. She's Thorin. Oh my gosh. I am Thorin. I'm always Thorin. Speaking of silence, uh, as in the end of the podcast, <laughs> <laughs> take us home, baby. Uh, Tina, would you like folks to find you online? And if so, no, leave me alone. Okay. Everyone leave Tina alone. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, if you've got any love or in your heart or uh, money in your wallet that you feel like throwing toward live theater, um, please do. Uh, that's not a direct plug for giving money to me. Uh, but that's, uh, giving money to some theater organization, who is struggling during this to provide content for creators and creatives, you know, a creative home somewhere. Uh, I know from losing my own space, how devastating it is. And I don't want anybody else to feel that way. So uh, keep your, keep your theater spaces happy and healthy, because if you lose them, you're going to be real, real sad. Like me. I'm so sad about that. No, I'm sad too, but like, yeah, don't, 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 Find me online. Find some theater organization that's still going and like really support the work that they're doing, please. Like, I don't know, uh, comedy sports? 
Well, Comedy sure. Sports is doing shows 7.30 on Saturday nights and at ComedySportsAustin.com. Uh, free shows. Come tune in. It's a lot of fun. Short form improv. Uh, improv for everyone, as we like to describe it. Come out, see a show. It's a lot Indeed. of fun. Uh, you can find me on one of my other podcasts, uh, including Shame Watch, podcasts about guilty pleasure movies, uh, as well as Lasso Cast, or uh, a podcast that I'm doing, which is breaking down each episode of the Apple TV Plus show. Ted Lasso, uh, that's been super duper fun. Didn't that just win an award of some kind? Didn't <gasps> someone from that just win an award? Uh, no, podcast, our podcast hasn't won any not, awards, not but podcast. I really appreciate that, La- Tyler. Ted we have Lasso. been working very hard Didn't on Lasso Cast. The actor who plays Ted Lasso. I mean, we're not really actors on Lasso Cast. We're just kind of analyzing what's the happening part on of each Ted Lasso. Episode. The actor uh, in front of Ted Lasso. I, that doesn't no, really have actor anything to do. Who we're plays talking about Ted the show. Lasso just won a Golden Globe for being on our podcast. We haven't had Jason Sudeikis on the podcast. Jason Sudeikis used to do comedy sports in kansas city what i'm saying is it's a fun show come check it out yeah so lasso cast is a fun show just like tyler was talking about (laughs) uh and then lulu i believe people can find you online is that correct yep oh (laughs) that's she has embraced her exotic dancer nature go 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 look for do not be ashamed of it no uh Speaking of not being ashamed for it, uh, don't be ashamed of loving ID four minutes at a time. Proclaim it from the mountaintops. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere where podcasts accept reviews. Let people know we really love doing this podcast and we would love to keep on doing it. But it depends on you and you spreading the sweet, sweet word of ID four minutes at a time. And, and you know, thanks in advance for that. Yeah. Way to go, you. Way to go, you. You. Uh, Tina, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. I'm happy to serve my country. Uh, But your service isn't over yet because, of course, it ain't over till the fat lady sings. That's so rude is that me no that was it's just that's it's a, a thing that i've got to say Kenny? no oh god that was right really hand-fisted peak the sound right now peak the sound peak the sound peak the music hashtag no masks now no comma no masks no. now masks now <laughs>